Some people think they've got 20 minutes to write the brief and it's done. The best briefs that I use to teach clearly, writerly documents. They've been sweated over. Hey, what's up, branding experts? Alex from Design, and welcome to All Branding Podcast. And my guest today is Howard Ibach. And Howard has been teaching creative brief writing workshops for more than 17 years. And Howard has read over thousands of briefs for hundreds of companies, including major brands like Lexus, Jaguar, Honda, Wells Fargo, US Bank, British Airways, just to name a few. So Howard is also on the faculty of the largest advertising organization in the world, which is ANA, Association of National Advertisers. And he's also the author of two best-selling books about creative briefs, how to write an inspired creative brief and how to write a single-minded composition. Hello, Howard. Thanks for joining us today. Arik, it's a great pleasure. Thank you for having us. I look forward to our conversation. Thank you so much. So basically, you are an expert when it comes to writing creative briefs, right? And, you know, as creatives, you know, I'm sure this is super valuable for my audience because, you know, that's where everything starts, right? With the right creative brief. And I know from my own experience that it is not really easy because we have so much information and we don't want to miss out on anything, but... As you argue, you know, you teach us like how to distill this information, how to write, what are some of the best practices and so on. So can we start with something simple? Why do we need a good creative brief and how does it work? How does it inspire us to create better work? Well, a great place to start, Arik. I get that question, you know, often. And my podcast co-host Henry Gomez and I have actually talked about that. You know, why do we need a brief? Do we need a brief? Yeah. I think the answer is pretty simple. Anyone out there who has ever heard of something called the telephone game would understand why. Now, the telephone game is a childhood game where five or six of your friends sit around and someone leans over and whispers something into the ear of the person sitting next to you. And that friend then whispers what he or she thought they heard to the next person and so mm-hmm. on and so on and so on until you get back to the person sitting on your other side and they open their mouth and say what they thought they heard and then we compare it to what the original thought was. And that's what happens sometimes when you don't have a brief. There's no agreement on what the assignment was. So in a sense, it's like a contract. The best definition I've ever come across for a creative brief, I heard just recently, a colleague said, that he thought the creative brief was the emotional or visceral translation of the strategy. Meaning you got to have a strategy first. And it's surprising how often marketers used the creative process to figure out the strategy and thus got it backwards. So you have to begin with your plan and the creative brief is the tactical expression of that plan. So that's why we need a brief. Creatives, and I'm a former creative. Right. Was a copywriter and a creative director for 26 years. And I worked with whatever someone handed me without really knowing what a good one was. But you want the best work out of me? Give me a good, clear brief. Right. That's definitely true. And uh, so basically some of my key takeaways also, so as you already mentioned, is going to steer us into the right direction. It's like a roadmap, right? Or you use this Mm -hmm. analogy, good creative brief provides a focused roadmap that keeps the creative train on the track all the way to the destination, right? So there is certain science to writing a good creative brief, right? And you talk about that, but 
before we actually dive into, you know, what are some of the best practices, let's start with the mistakes because, you know, as you already mentioned, you worked with all kinds of briefs and you read all kinds of briefs and you know, what are some of the most mistakes that, you know, people make when writing creative briefs? I think the biggest mistake that people make, and this is especially true with in-house ad agencies that do not have account planners or strategists, because that's the category of a position within an agency that's been trained to write briefs. So most in-house agencies that do not have account planners or strategists make the mistake of trying to write the brief alone as a singular siloed effort. And I ask the question when I do my training, well, who here collaborates? And many people raise their hand and say, oh yes, I collaborate. I collaborate with my colleagues. And I say, well, could you define what you mean by collaboration? And their explanation is, well, I write a draft and then I send it out for comments from, to my colleagues. And I say, that's not collaboration. That's an exercise in masochism. Because what happens is you send the document out, and I'm sure at least one of the people who looks at it is your boss. And then it becomes an exercise in pleasing the boss. The audience for the creative brief is the creative department. But when you write the document by yourself and you send it out for feedback, and your boss is one of the people who reads that document, you're writing the document for the boss, not for the creative department. Mm -hmm. And you go through a process of dealing with multiple people contributing their thoughts to your draft by writing the right things on the, on the margins or they'll send you an email. And then your job, because you wrote it by yourself, is to try to figure out, well, which of these comments mean the most? Which ones carry the most weight? Which ones should I listen to? Which ones can I ignore? Mm -hmm. That's why I call an exercise in, in masochism. Whereas if you collaborate with a colleague, a fellow marketer, a fellow creative, you put two heads together and your document is going to be more inclusive. This is how the creatives work. Back in the 40s and 50s, a guy like Bill Bernbach invented something that didn't exist at the time. It's called the creative team. But an art director and a copywriter together and they partnered. We mm -hmm. must do the same thing when we're writing a creative brief because most agencies don't have planners you must collaborate with someone. This way, you're not writing a document in isolation. So that's the first mistake. The second mistake, I think, is they believe I have to include as much information as possible in this document. And that's the exact opposite. There's an old line from Mark Twain who said, I apologize for writing such a long letter. If I had more time, I would have made it shorter. The best creative briefs are brief, a page, maybe a page and a half. But we're afraid that we're not going to give the creatives everything they need. So marketers tend to pile on. Right. And they just don't have a sense of understanding of what is it that I need to include and what can I not include. And this is another example of failure to collaborate. If you loop in a creative and say, do you need this information? Creative will tell you whether she does or doesn't. So the two big mistakes are writing alone and trying to include too much information. Because the creative brief is actually an example of strategic reduction. Now, there right. are a lot of other mistakes that they make, but those are the two biggies. Those are the two biggest mistakes. So putting too much information, not filtering the right information, that's bad. It's a chaos. It's too much. So it's an art to it, right? We need to distill the right information. We need to know what to keep, what to remove. And then the second one is just writing by yourself, not collaborating. Yeah. Yes. So, Big so mistake. And uh, some, there are some other mistakes as you're already like using jargon, right? And stuff like oh. that. Can you explain on those mistakes, but... Submitting a first draft. Submitting yeah. a first... Some people think they've got 20 minutes to write the brief and it's done. 
the best briefs that I use to teach are clearly writerly documents. They've been sweated over. They are not first drafts. Mm -hmm. But we don't treat the document with that kind of respect. We must treat it as a writer's document, that is, a thinking document. So that's another big mistake. Right, because as you say in your books and in your teachings that, you know, brief needs to be tight. A tight brief translates into, a, into better work and fewer rounds of revisions, right? Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about creative work. Okay, so we've covered that. So, And then you also talk about like the cornerstone of every good brief is a single-minded proposition. So can we talk about that? How to write this single-minded proposition? Articulate that brand promise. Yeah. How much time we got, Eric? I'm kidding. I'm ki you I mean, can talk a lot. <laughs> I know. So let's just... <laughs> I mean, the joke is that it took me 99 pages to write a book about one sentence because that's really what it comes down to. And in a lot of cases, the single-minded proposition is not even a full sentence. It can be a phrase, a couple of words. Yeah. And, and to be clear, let's make sure that our audience understands there are lots of ways to describe this. I think the most common is the single-minded proposition. Others call it the single most persuasive idea, mm -hmm. the one key thing, the unique selling proposition. Whatever term you use to describe it, I think the biggest problem that most people who write briefs face is they put way too much pressure on themselves to write this line. And, mm -hmm. you know, in doing my own podcast with my buddy Henry, who is a strategist and writes creative briefs for a living, unlike me, who teaches. He says, I try to write an inspirational line every time I sit down to write a brief. But if I can't write something truly inspirational, I want it to be clear. That's my minimum standard. Make sure the line is clear because creatives can work with something that's clear. Mm -hmm. The goal, I think, is to write something kind of like a headline, something really headlining, clever. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people are not writers who write creative briefs, and that can be intimidating. So the idea is, and I have one, I think, very powerful visual example that will help people understand what a good single-minded proposition is. And I call it the Times Square analogy. Imagine that you're standing in Times Square in the heart of New York yeah. at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. You know it's going to be packed with people. The shows have just let out. Well, imagine you're standing on one side of Times Square and someone representing your target audience is standing on the other side of Times Square. You can't call them on a phone. You can't text them. You can't use a microphone, right? You can't use a carrier pigeon. You can't write a message down and send it by one of your friends. You've got to use your voice. Yeah. Can you say it out loud? Probably not. You're going to have to yell it. So in that environment, maddening, crazy, chaotic, how many words do you think you can speak out loud across that distance? Probably no more than four or five. And you're yeah. going to have to yell at the top of your voice. Mm -hmm. So thinking of that analogy, that's what your single-minded proposition has to contain. Four to five words, something that you can be easily understood by your target audience, because that's the idea of a single-minded proposition is to give the creatives inspiration to come up with an idea that your target audience will get. Yeah. They'll understand what's the one thing What's in it for me? And that single-minded proposition kind of captures that one. Now, right. as an example of how powerful this, the single-minded proposition can be, a very few have actually gone on to become public-facing language, what we call our advertising taglines. So, for example, maybe you've heard of this line, the milk chocolate that melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Yeah. For M&M's. Yeah. That started its life as a single-minded proposition on a creative brief. 
Okay. It's pretty rare. It's a very rare thing, but it was a very clever line, but it also was very clear. And that birthed a major campaign. So I say, if you think you've got the chops, write a headliney kind of a single-minded proposition and think of that Times Square analogy. That's the environment that you're working in. The line is for the creative department. It's not for the public. But sometimes if it's really well done, it can become a public-facing line. And that's a lot of information to absorb in just a minute. It's a very powerful line, but it's a very difficult line and people get very intimidated by it. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge to write something, you know, like to concise all this information into a a very few words, as you mentioned. And I love this analogy. So obviously when you're screaming, you cannot scream out a lot of, you know, long sentences. So you need to limit No paragraphs. Yeah, no paragraphs. And it's a great example, by the way, M&Ms. Okay, so awesome. So you teach people how to write creative briefs. You dive into details. You have workshops on your website, right? Your website is creativebriefworkshops.com. You also yes. co-host a weekly podcast about creative briefs as well. The Brief Bros that you already yep. mentioned. So I encourage you guys who are listening to check out the website, to check out this podcast, to learn more. And if you want to check out the workshop, I encourage you to do that. And of course, you have two books, right? We're going to link to the books as well. And where do we connect with you? What's the best way? Are you active on LinkedIn, on social media? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the, my most used social media. I do have a YouTube page where we host our our episodes of the Brief Brothers. The website, creativebriefworkshops.com. If you work for a company that is a member of the ANA, the Association of National Advertisers, you know, I'm on the faculty with the ANA and I can do workshops for your company if you're a member. If you work for a company and you're not a member of the ANA, then you can reach me through my website. We can do very, very small group workshops through the website, which I do on Zoom. So there are lots of ways. Plus, I do. I have a blog. I write a weekly essay. So there yeah. are lots of ways for you to connect with me. Yeah, there is a lot of great information on your website. So thanks for your time. I really appreciate that. My pleasure, Eric. It's been a great fun for me to talk to you about the brief. Thank you.